This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. Awesome. So once again, dads, pick up your free gift on the way out. Um, I'm going to do something different today. Most Father's Days, most Mother's Days, we do a Mother's or Father's Day theme. Um, But I'm actually going to do something uh, different. Um, I'm actually going to debrief with our church from our weekend with Charlie Sweet. Is that okay? All right. I just feel like it was awesome. Oh, my goodness. I'm still buzzing. Um, I wanted to just... in a sense, pastor people through a bunch of different things um, and process through it from a pastoral perspective, Um, I can honestly say one of the most significant, significant weekends in our church's history. Um, Not only was the accuracy ridiculous, not only was the, the confirmation of things that we have been privately talking about for two years, it was crazy how many phrases Charlie used that are the phrases that we've used for two years, but we'd never, we would, of course, never said anything to anyone. But he nailed the phrases. He nailed some of those, like, mind-blowing things. Um, but I wanted to start by just kind of offering a couple of basics to kind of lay the, this morning's uh, foundation upon, just a couple of things that I wanted to just share uh, to inspire us, to encourage us, but also to give us the right perspective on prophetic ministry. Number one... God loves to express his heart. He loves to express his heart. And because of that, you have to understand that he will do anything that he can possibly do to make sure that you know how much you are loved by him. And prophecy is one way that he does that. One of many. So I want to encourage you guys with this one basic thought. You do not need a prophetic word from a prophet of God to feel loved by God. And if you think that you do, then this is stretchy season for you. Okay, I got three people staring me down. I'm kidding. All right. All right. This is an opportunity to grow. I got four more people. Okay, I'm just kidding. All right. Um, you can, uh, if you have a problem with what I'm about to say this morning, you can contact me on my Facebook page, and um, <laughs> you can personal message me on Facebook. I'll never respond. Anyhow, just kidding. But I want you to understand that God is not limited to anything. As a matter of fact, some of the most profound moments that I've ever had in my personal walk with God have been private, at home, on my own, and then the prophet confirms what God already said. Okay, so, okay, we're good, all right. Prophecy, though, as we shared a couple weeks back, is an imperfect gift. Why? Because it's ministered through an imperfect person. Now, I love Charlie, and as we shared a couple weeks ago, we will be very careful who we would ever bring in here to uh, be in a, a guest speaker or a guest ministry in this church. We want to make sure we know them. We want to make sure we know their character. We want to make sure we know that their marriage is strong, their family is strong, their life with Jesus is strong. And if those things aren't adding up, we will never bring them in. That doesn't mean we won't bring them in later if things change and God's doing good things. But I want you to know that we take this very, very seriously. But because it's an imperfect gift ministered through an imperfect person, 
sometimes things can be off or missed it, okay? Or, I mean, my kind of take on last or two weeks ago was 96.8% was awesome. There was a couple of things that were a bit off, but that's okay. How many are willing to give any prophet a couple mulligans? Are we good with that? I love mulligans on a golf course. Can I tell you that my score looks much better when I utilize mulligans on a golf course? Wow, you're a scratch golfer, Cameron. I'm like, I don't know how it happened. But what about the three balls in the pond? What three balls? I didn't see the three balls go in the pond. That must have been Menard. He hits them in the pond all the time. I don't. My balls walk on water. And they just get to the other side. You know what I'm saying? I have promised land. Golf balls, it's awesome. Okay, all right. But because of this pattern in this process, we will do everything we can to teach people in our church how to test it, how to prove it, and ultimately our heart is to help pastor it. That's my heart, that's our heart, and I would think we all agree with that, and everyone said amen. All right. But I want to remind you of a verse we started with a couple weeks ago, and then I'm going to kind of jump into just some debriefing, if we can. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 to 22, and it says, Do not quench the Spirit. Well, how do we quench the Spirit? Well, next one, do not despise prophecies. So you have to understand these are connected. They're not disconnected thoughts. They're connected thoughts. That the way that we potentially can quench the Spirit of God, one way we do that is by despising prophecy. So I want to encourage you. It was awesome. And it says, test all things. One version says, prove all things. That's really, really good. Hold fast to what is good and abstain from every form of evil. Okay, so again, my goal today is just to simply process through this very, very special week. And the first thought that I had on Tuesday was, wow. And then I got to Wednesday, and my thought went, wow. And then Thursday came, and it was like, (laughs) and then Friday. So I'm, I'm telling you from a pastor's perspective, we have been blown away. We are blown away. I'm still blown away. I'm blown away by the amount of secret things that no one would ever know that he nailed. And can I share one with you today? Because not a lot of people know these dynamics. But when my mom came up, I was like, what is he doing seeing her as a locomotive engineer? This is the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. First of all, he didn't know it was my mom. Doesn't know her from a hole in the ground. She walks up and he says, I see you like a locomotive engineer. Can I tell you the name of the building which she lives in? It's called the locomotive. Can I tell you one other thing? That the event that has been the the catastrophic event of my entire family's existence that has transformed my father into struggling with God was an event where he lost his father because he was run over by a locomotive. How in the world would he know that? And our takeaway was, whoa, (laughs) that's crazy. Sowing seeds over Colleen. I was like, that's the ministry she's going to connect with in Haiti. Who would know? He did. Man, Davidic worship, sound, music over Stuart. I was like, oh, you kidding me? 
I'm like, wow. Zoe in Austin. Oh, my goodness. I'm still, where's Austin? There he is. Where's Zoe? Where's her commitment? Come on. Sheepers. What's up with that? She's in Taiwan doing some exchange schooling. Yeah, she left me high and dry. Anyhow, but the word of the Lord over them was mind-blowing. But what stood out to me was a phrase that he used that no one would have any idea. He speaks about a flying fortress, which just so happens to be Austin's favorite airplane. How would you know that? God and Bree. Oh, my goodness. I'm still, like, I'm sh- I got the shakes thinking about Brie. That was a phenomenal word over Brie. I think, it pretty, I think he pretty much said everything you could possibly say and then some and kept going. But I want you to know we were blown away. So if, if you're in this place this morning and you're struggling with anything from two weeks ago, and I know that that's, that does not include very many people, but I want you to know very quickly It was of the Lord. And we say yes and amen to what God did two weeks ago. Amen. I want to share with you seven really, really quick things that were prophetically confirmed through the entire weekend. And we had the privilege of being there Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. We were in on every session. And the first thing that stood out to me was over Ignite Youth. He automatically comes in the room and says, there is a gift of healing in this room which he didn't know what just happened at Ignite Youth two months prior to, and is still going on today. But he nails it the very first night. The other thing I love that he said over you guys was that this isn't a generation for someday. This is a generation that's going to be used now. And I honestly believe that we are blessed with an incredible group of children, youth, young adults that love Jesus with all their hearts. And I'm excited about what they're going to do. The second one that came out, which was just incredible, was this word resourcing. Resourcing. Well, interesting that we've just been talking about that. But referenced in many different ways and in many different times, including over individuals and then also over the church. And the one phrase that he shared with us privately was, you don't have to have a big church to resource the kingdom. And don't ever think that you have to be a certain size to resource. God can already resource things now. So the week after the prophetic weekend, we get a phone call from one of the former Queen students' moms who basically said, yeah, I hope you're okay with this, but we've been utilizing your building fund campaign stuff and your graphics and, your, and we, start, we did what, exactly what you guys are doing. And as soon as we got off the phone, we're like, resourcing, okay, that's cool. We just had a conversation with a pastor in Nigeria. Guess what he was using over the last six months? Equip 101 in Nigeria. In two churches in Nigeria. Okay. There's a church in Trenton that is using our encounter material. It's pretty cool. And I can't wait for the day that our Impact Kids curriculum is ready to go so we can start handing it out to everyone. And that day will happen, because that's been written by our own people, Carla in particular. And I'm telling you, I can't wait to the day when we can start resourcing other churches and other ministries with that material. 
Third word was this. I've never heard this word before. This is a real shock to me. was that we're going to be a house of healing and restoration. I have never heard that one before. It's like, I, you, know, you know how every once in a while, God puts something like on a broken record, and it's just repeat, 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 repeat. So the first time we ever heard this word, house of healing or house of restoration, so if you're newer to the church, I'm going down journey, a journey down memory lane, was six months before we actually started the church. We were called out in a, a conference weekend at our former church in Oshawa, and he basically looks at us and says, I see the banner over your church. It says, house of healing and restoration. I was like, okay. He says, God's calling to your house the broken and the discouraged and the disillusioned. And I'm like, can we get to the good part? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Thank you, whoever said that. Margaret, you're the best. But he said, a broken people healed are the most dangerous group of people to the enemy. And then I get excited, and I start to see the potential of a house that knows their identity in Christ. It is scary how good that can be, and we're already well on the way. The next one was this. He started to talk about this concept of shuffling of chess pieces, that you're maneuvering chess pieces in different places, and, and uh, we just experienced that right there. You've got the, you've got the baton, brother. And there's going to be more batons that are going to be passed over the next couple of months. But it was a complete confirmation to us that we're doing the right thing. Not that we needed it, but man, I'll tell you, as a pastor, it felt good. Felt good that God had our back. Right? Fifth one was he described this church individually as puzzle pieces coming together. And I found it very interesting that two months ago, this is what Sandra handed out for her Living on Purpose series, the very last... Uh, message in that series, she hands out this little card, and what has, what's on there? A puzzle piece. And I was like, okay, that's cool, God, you know that too. But when he was talking about this concept of puzzle pieces getting aligned, is he, he used this word engaged. And I, and I started to think through kind of what does that mean? And he says, what you're going to see happen is that more and more people in the church are going to become more engaged in the house find their space, find their fit in the grand scheme of that puzzle picture and get connected and start growing. And so I wanted to kind of give some definition to what it means to us for someone to be engaged, not to a future spouse, but engaged in the life of a church. And um, I kind of landed on five core things that that I've just been landing on as far as what it means to be engaged in this house. The first one is this. We want to see people engaged in worship. This is a presence-driven church. We are all about the presence of God. That's what we long for. And so worship isn't just about music. Worship's a lifestyle. Worship's a lifestyle of surrender to God. We, we think that's one way that we want to be engaged with God. The second thing is this, is serving. Serving is a massive piece of the New Testament church. You can't get away from it. It's all over the place. As a matter of fact, there was so much care and concern, they had an entire uh, meeting in Acts chapter 6 just to make sure that it wasn't being missed. Right? It's incredibly important. Third is this. We believe in community. We believe that in the context of small groups. So as we're starting up our new discovery groups in September, I want to I encourage you. Don't wait for someone to ask you. Sign up. 
Get involved, get connected. Why? Some people think it's just because of what we can receive. But I want to tell you something this morning that is so critical. You have a story that someone else needs to hear. Don't ever think your story is not important. Don't ever think your journey with God is not important. Don't ever think that the little life lessons that you've gone through, both the good and the bad and everything in between, are not important. They are incredibly important. Here's the one thing I've kind of come to the realization of as a pastor, is I have a nice story and God's done some really cool things, but my story only connects to certain people. Scott's story connects to somebody else. Gary's story connects to somebody else, right? It just keeps going down the line. But I want you to know your story is important. Okay, next one is outreach. We believe in love in our city. So if you're engaged in this church, we want to see you involved in outreach. That doesn't mean in every outreach, but to some degree, we'd love to see that. And last but not least, the one that every pastor loves to share and everyone loves to hear is giving. Yay! You know what? It's the worst word in the pastor's dictionary. It's like right next to exercise. You get to talk about exercise. Let Sandra do it. You get to talk about giving. Let Ray do it. Because if they're angry, they can get mad at her. But I want you to understand here very, something very, very simple. You invest your time, talent, and treasure to things all the time. What I'm asking you to do is to prioritize according to kingdom values. Thank you. Okay, we're good. Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. The next word, activation. Hello. What is the heartbeat behind discovery groups? What's the heartbeat about what we're trying to do? And, and there's been so many conversations ongoing for so long. We want to see people activated for mission. Not just here, but everywhere you go. And that doesn't limit it to one thing. That's not just about getting better at being a guest service volunteer. It is about activating you to do the things that God has called you to do. We so desperately want to get this right. And the fact that he brought that up was just hilarious. Because it was so many times it was mentioned. And then I want to share with you a private thought that he shared with us privately on Tuesday that I thought it was so appropriate for our church to know. He came in and he said, the first word that I saw when I first came into the city, and he didn't understand exactly what it meant, but as he was thinking about our church, he saw this word setback. But he's like, no, that, that word doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. I don't understand why there's a, this concept of a setback. And then he says, on Tuesday, he said, no, God spoke to me last night when I was just heading to bed, and he says, no, it's not a setback. And so he described it this way. He says, we're between third and fourth gear. And whenever you have to switch gears, put the clutch down or let the clutch out, there's this sense of no momentum. You, it's almost like you feel like you slow down temporarily, and then you, when you engage that gear again, you go forward to a whole different level. And so what God is saying to us is that we're in between third and fourth gears, but don't get out of the car and don't stop driving. Keep going, keep going, keep going, because what's in front of us is absolutely off the charts. So then he said it like this. That, that season in between third and fourth gear, the best way to describe it practically is it's a season of transition. And 
that's exactly where we are. But I've never been more excited. Because what I see is it's not a transition that's negative. It's not a negative thing. It's actually a positive, let's get people in their sweet spot kind of thing. So what we're experiencing is this excitement about what's next and getting people absolutely paired to the the plan and purpose of God for their life. I want to share four very simple, quick little thoughts regarding prophetic ministry and regarding the heart that you always need to have with regards to the prophetic ministry. These are non-negotiable. These are things that you need in order to get the, bo- the, get the best or the most out of prophetic ministry when it comes through. Okay? Number one, humility. 1 Peter 5, 5, it says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Grace, grace, grace to the humble. Okay? There's something I've realized about people that are f- filled with pride. They, they repel people. But people who are humble attract people. So what we want to do is create an army of people that understand what it means to walk in humility and to attract the presence, and if I can go one step further, the voice of God in your life. Okay? So the first question I want to ask with this whole concept of humility, and this is a question for everyone, but I want you to think through it. Do you need to have a prophet pray over you? And if the answer internally, you don't have to say it out loud, but if the answer internally is yes, then God's going to stretch you in this season. And I guarantee you that every prophet that comes through this city will not pick you. Why? Because God wants to root out that thing in your heart. Okay? How do I know? Because I was that person. (laughs) 25 years ago, where my entire goal in life was to impress people at church, but get every guest speaker to call me out. I did all kinds of crazy stuff. I made sure I sat in the front. I made sure I was worshiping extra much. I was doing everything I possibly could to be noticed. But God said, don't ever limit my ability to speak to you through one gift. Amen? So, question that would kind of go along with that is, are you open to hearing from God in a different way? Okay? And then the third question related to humility is, can you celebrate what is happening to someone else? Because when we can celebrate what's happening to somebody else, then family time takes over. And then it just becomes this incredible family moment where it's just like, isn't that awesome? Did you hear the word over Bree? That was mind-blowing. And we're all like, yeah! Okay, right back to the notes. All right. Two, I want you to respect the prophetic ministry by having expectations that are healthy. I love 1 Thessalonians 2. It says this, For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you receive the word of God, one of the versions say the word of the Lord, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth. Okay? Third one is this. We want you to have faith for whatever God wants to do to you, through you, and speak to you. We want you to have faith for it. But we want you to have patience. So faith and patience are connected. I hate the word patience. How many are, you know what I'm saying? Patience is the third word in the triumphant of exercise and giving. <laughs> then it's the word patience. And it's the, it's, it is the worst word. It's the worst word. I hate that word. Anyhow. 
But it says in Hebrews, it says, And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Verse 12, That you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So, are you okay if the fulfillment of that prophetic word takes 25 years? I lost everyone. (laughs) The first time I heard the word pastor over me, I was 15. It didn't happen until I was 33. It's 18 years. The word of the Lord over Moses came to him at 40. He didn't see the promise till 80. Do the math. The word of the Lord over Jesus came in the first day he was born. He didn't start his ministry till 30. So, here's what I want to challenge you with. If patience is not a part of the journey for you, then what you're going to naturally do, because I've been there myself before and I've done it naturally myself before, is you try to make room for yourself. You try to force yourself into things and push your way into things. And can I say to you this morning as a pastor, God knows. God knows when. God knows how. And everything in our books is a conversation. We good? All right. Great point, Cameron. All right, moving right along. Number four, I want you to have a warrior spirit about the call and the purpose and the mission of God over your life. I don't want you to take it lightly. I don't want you to treat it with indifference. I don't want you to be complacent, apathetic. I don't want any of that. I want you to take it so serious that you're going to do anything that you can possibly do to fulfill the plan and purpose of God for your life. Amen. 1 Timothy 1.18 says this, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you. Interesting. That by them, the prophecies, you may wage the good warfare. That you will fight for the things of God. That's what I want you to do. That's what I want us to do as a church. Amen? So a very simple question for you is, are you contending, fighting for the things that God has in your life? Some of you right now, the, the, the only thing that God wants you to contend for is the, is the prodigal child in your home coming back to Christ. That's where you should put your energy and your prayers. For some of you, it's, it's something completely different. But what I want you to understand this morning is I want you to contend for the promises of God. You ask me about my dad, and you know what comes out of my mouth quicker than anything else? Acts 16.31. I didn't even think twice about it. Acts 16.31. What does it say? You and your household will be saved. That's the only thing that comes out of my mouth. Nothing else comes out of my mouth. Some days when I'm having a really bad day, some other things come out of my mouth. Sandra slaps me. <laughs> and then she goes, what was that? Acts 1631. <laughs> and as I've said many times, it's amazing how much her voice is like the voice of God. But anyhow, just moving on. Amen. <laughs> so, in relation to this thought, I want to ask one other question. Are you keeping the focus of the battle on eternal goals of making disciples? Or are you focused on your own ministry and calling? I'm going to say it again. 
Are you keeping the focus on the eternal goals of making disciples? Or are you focused on your own ministry and calling? And I guarantee you that if it's the second, you are going to be a very frustrated Christian for the rest of your life. And I am not the problem. And neither is Ray. And neither is Scott and Carling. And neither is Jeff and Rachel. It's in your heart. Because God wants you to think bigger than just you. What's incredible about this little puzzle piece is that it, is, it will never, ever, ever in its existence form a picture. Ever. It only forms a picture when it's connected to every other puzzle piece God had intended for that picture to, to be made. That's the only way. And so I want you to understand that when the prophet of God comes in, he's calling forth things in your life, not just for you to go home and go, oh, God, that was so cool. I'm so special because he picked me out, and I'm the best. God's awesome. Yes. And, no, that's not it at all. You know, the first thing I want you to think through is, okay, how can I do that and make everyone else around me better? How can I inspire others to be on mission with the gospel of, of Christ? How can I inspire others to be a part of this incredible eternal goal of making disciples? I love, I mean, I love my son. I love my kids. But man, that got me last week. Basically said, I realized in that moment as I'm hiding under a desk for two hours because of some crazy bomb threat that was going on. I realized that my entire goal in life was not to worry about where my place is in this world or how I'm going to get to heaven because I already know the answer, but my goal is to bring as many people as I possibly can with me. Your ministry call is bigger than you. And I'm telling you, from years of messing this one up, I want you to hear my heart so bad today. I was the worst at this because everything I interpreted was the lens called me. Me, oh, it's for me, all that, me, 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 I'm going to do this, I'm going to be on the front of Charisma Magazine, because I'm going to be that awesome. And then God kind of slapped some things out of me, very gently, and then every once in a while, it wasn't so gentle. And you know what he reminded me? I don't speak over you, because you're all that. I speak over you. Because I'm all that, and I'm inviting you on mission. So make sure you have the right perspective as you're hearing the things of God. All right. So I want to just end with a couple of basic thoughts just to give context to what happened two weeks ago. Okay? There's two different ways that God prophetically moves. The first thing is confirmation. So it's, it's not something you do in the Catholic Church. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay? Although some of you, I'm sure, have gone through that process. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the word of the Lord coming forth over your life and confirming things that he's already been speaking to you about. It's the broken record of the Holy Spirit. Okay? But there's a second element of prophetic ministry that you cannot discount. You cannot just ignore it. And it's the the ministry of what I'm going to call forth-telling. In other words, it's something for the future that you currently do not do or are not living out, but God is inspiring you, stretching your faith to believe for something that's beyond you. 
First time I ever heard the word pastor, I laughed out loud. Because I was, there was nothing pastoral about me. Nothing. Have you ever met anyone that you meet and, and they will say to you, well, you know, I'm just black and white. That's just, how I, that's just how I am. And I do believe that scripture is very black and white, so don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But I used to use that as an excuse to offend every single person I ever talked to. Like, I am God's gift of truth to your life right now. <laughs> and if you don't listen to me, you will be going to hell. And I realized... God will never use me to be a mouthpiece of his voice until I have the heart of a shepherd who will do anything to care for his sheep, who will do anything to take a bullet for his sheep. But I tell you, I love what God does. So a lot of what happened two weeks ago was confirming. But there were some things that I honestly believe fit into the category of forthtelling. There's no... There's nothing there that shows that that's something that you could do or something that you're gifted to do, but God is calling something forth. The moment God told me prophetically at 16 years of age that I would speak to hundreds of people, I was the guy throwing up, passing out in the washroom because I couldn't do a five-minute presentation in high school. That was that guy. That was the guy that would stutter because I couldn't get it out. And my face would go beat red, and they were wondering if something really bad was about to happen. And I actually had two times in a class setting where I'm trying to do a presentation and someone interrupted me thinking I was going to pass out or something bad was about to happen. It's a little embarrassing. And God says, you're going to be a, a voice and a mouthpiece to hundreds of people. Are you serious? I can't even talk to a girl about how I feel about her. Like, what do you say? You kidding me? I just, I can't even get it out. It's like, it's, just, it's the weirdest thing. So then she came to me and said, I want to get into the country. Can I marry you? I went, yeah. want you to understand. <laughs> it was there. Anyhow, um, there's a couple things I want you to understand that that confirming nature of the prophetic ministry does and the forth-telling nature of that ministry does. Some, a couple things I want you to think about. Number one, it confirms ministry gifts or call. Okay? It, it helps you uh, learn how to use those gifts or call in the context of a family. That greater puzzle piece, right? In the puzzle picture. It also will speak to character or fruit that God wants to develop in your life. That's the part we don't like. But that's what he's doing. He's saying, okay, you're doing well, but you can go higher. Oh, Lord, I don't know how to do that. Trust me. How? Walk with me. I will get you there. Right? So part of it is that learning how to abide, but also God likes to prune. All right. How many love to prune? Okay. How many love to eat prunes? All right, good, okay, all right. But it also is there to give direction or clarity to the direction of your life. And last but not least, it causes us to evaluate our life goals in relation to his mission. 
Okay, this is what the prophetic will do. It'll adjust us sometimes. One thing I'll definitely say is Charlie and Gary Hayes is another one. Has an incredible way of even adjusting, but in a very loving way. Amen? All right, coming in for a landing. Next thought. There's different ways to do prophetic ministry weekends. Some of what you're probably used to is what I'm going to call spontaneous moments. Okay? Where a guest speaker comes in at the end of a service, he just picks someone out, or he's praying for people up at the altar. Maybe they had some sort of prayer time, and people come up to the front, and they're praying for it, and he starts to spontaneously pray over other people. But interestingly enough, there's a second way, there's actually multiple ways, but I'm going to talk about a second way that this happens. Acts 13 uses this phrase, Acts 13, 1 to 3, uses this phrase of setting people apart, setting people apart, and the actual word there is to prepare. Setting people apart for prophetic ministry. So one of the things that we had kind of done, and there's a bunch of verses kind of connected to that. I love 1 Timothy 4, 14 to 16, where it talks about uh, five-fold gifts, like a prophet coming in and praying over individuals in a church. Uh, Romans 1.11 talks about gifts of God being uh, stirred up or established in people's lives because of a prophet in their life. 2 Timothy 1.6 actually talks about stirring up the gift of God that was given to you by prophecy and the laying on of hands, which is done through a prophet of prophetic ministry. But here's the struggle that we had leading up to it. If we only did the spontaneous, I'm going to just be very blunt here this morning, and I'm going to tell you something that you probably were not aware of, but I was. On Saturday and Sunday night, there was between 30 and 35 people here that I like to call the church shoppers. And you know what would have really bothered me is if 20 of them who don't even, are not even a part of this church got specific ministry from a prophet and all of our own people did not. We have a big group in this city that just loves to float. They're floaters. They're floating kind of all over the place. And I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with those individuals, but I want you to understand one of the things that we've been processing through for a number of months is we wanted this to be a special weekend for our church family. This is a family weekend. So what we did is we picked a hybrid. We had some people prepared for each service. We also had people that were picked in the middle of a service. And we let Charlie loose at the end of each service. So we actually did all three. We did three things in order to make sure that we saw people prayed for. When we were first talking about this weekend, we were processing through the numbers between about 30 and 32 people that he thought he could pray for. He prayed for 64. He went above and beyond the call of duty. Every service turned out to be almost three hours because Charlie just wanted to bless our house. And he just kept going and going and going. And at one point, a couple times, he looked at me and went, I could probably stop, but I could keep going. What do you want? <laughs> I'm like, whatever you want, Charlie, go is fine. That's good. That's good. Yeah, keep going. But I want you to understand that both are scriptural ways to do this. The Greek word is actually presbytery, which talks about a set or prepared session with a fivefold ministry gift. And I can give you more information about that. Second um, Chronicles 20.20, 20, and I'm going to end with this verse. It says, believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. I love that, that part. You will, literally, your foundation is going to be established and solid. But it says, believe his, pros- his prophets and you will prosper. Now, 
you can read this a, a pile of different ways, but we actually look at it in the context of what it's written in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, you start to see that there's something greater connected to this whole thought. That it's not just about believing the prophetic word over your life. It's allowing the prophetic to stir up something in you to want more of God and to go for it. And so what the prophets do is they actually stir things up in you. They actually stir a desire up in you for more of God. And that's the goal of, a, of a, any five-fold minister that's talked about in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, is that the goal is to stir up your faith for more. I can honestly say that my heart is so stirred. I'm thinking about moving to, uh, where does he live in Florida? I think about moving to Florida and just living in the next apartment over from Charlie and once a day just knocking on his door and saying, so, any thoughts today? <laughs> No? Okay, I'll come back the next day and just be annoying. But anyhow, I want you to understand that these weekends were designed for family time. The entire purpose of this weekend, from our perspective, was designed for family time. So, if something was revealed in your heart that didn't feel like family, I want to encourage you with something. God is bigger than a prophet. God is bigger than a prophetic gift. God can speak to you anywhere, anywhere, anytime, anyplace. But what I want to encourage you to do is to ask God why your heart felt either offended, hurt, overlooked, rejected. You, I can fill in the blank with a whole bunch of different words because we know that there's people in this church that felt that way. If that is what you're feeling, what I want you to do is have the courage so number one, if there's any questions about anything, feel free to talk to me. I would love to have that conversation. Number two, I want you to go to God, and I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to minister to whatever root issues are there that is causing that thing to stay. I shared this with someone uh, this past week, and I said, if you felt overlooked or if you felt like you weren't prayed for, you're in good company because Sandra and I weren't prayed for either. And we're good with that. You want to know why? Because we want you guys blessed. So who cares about us? We've had so many prophetic words, we don't need another one. I don't need another one to say, oh, you're a pastor. Oh, yeah. oh you're a shepherd. Yeah, I've heard that one before. Oh, you're going to speak to hundreds. Yeah, I've heard that one before. There's nothing new under the sun. I already know what I'm supposed to do. So here's the conclusion I came to 25 years ago. The reason why that gift was so valuable to me is because I actually didn't know what I'm called to do. And so the struggle was not with a prophet or a prophetic word. The struggle was internal because I didn't know who I was. And I didn't know the purpose for my life. But I want to have news for you today. God knows it. You, you don't need a prophet to tell you that. All you need is a relationship with Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to speak into you. We good? Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com.